Genesis 26, and we're going to start our reading at verse 6, and we'll read to verse 25, quite a bit of lengthy reading, but we'll just see what the Lord has to say to us. So it's Genesis 26, starting at verse 6. <coughs> and Isaac dwelt in Gerah, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how saidest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. <clears throat> and the Lord waxed great and went forward. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerah did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of that well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they dug, they, and they digged another well and strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built it an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Let me let me give you a bit of background to this story. <clears throat> there was a famine in the land, and this land in which Isaac was in was Cana, a land which a land later on in which God would say to Moses would be a land flowing, flowing with milk and honey. But at this time, in Isaac's day, and as with his father Abraham 80 to 100 years earlier, there was a famine. 
there was a famine in the land. And remember, this was the land in which God laid Abraham to and gave it to him for a possession and to his seed after him. So, so God was all over this. You get me tonight? God was all over this. So you would have thought that, well, if God's hand is upon it, if God has led Abraham and Isaac to this land, then surely it's going to be a blessing all the way. Is that not right? Is is that not the way we think? Well, if God has spoke to me, and God has led me, and I have obeyed his word, then surely God is going to pour out a blessing in which we're not able to contain it. Now friends, be honest tonight. Surely that's the way we think in our minds. But look at this. And this is not what I'm preaching on tonight. But I just want to make some observation of it and or maybe it is for someone, I don't know. I, maybe it is for someone here tonight. But God led Abraham. And God led Jacob. They obeyed his word and they went to this land. But when they got there, there was a famine. There was a famine. In fact, Genesis 12 says, where, where Abraham obeyed the voice of God, and went to that country. It says that not only was there a famine in the land, but that the famine was very grievous, very grievous in the land. That fruitful land of Canaan was turned into barrenness. I'm sure when Abraham had arrived in Canaan and saw that, that, that there was a grievous famine in the land, he must have thought, I've, I've got my wires mixed up here. I, 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 I must have misheard from God and taken the wrong direction. But no, friends, he was right where God wanted him to be. And Isaac was right where God wanted him to be, right in the middle of a famine, right in the center of the perfect will of God. You know, friends, the call of God on our lives and our response of faith and obedience does not mean that it will be all sunshine and flowers. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be all sweetie pie, all nice and beautiful. But friends, there will be times when we'll encounter serious problems along the way. Even though God's called us, You hear me tonight? Even though God may have called you. As Abraham's example teaches, believers who are seeking to serve God and obey his word must not think it's strange. Friends, you must not think it's strange if you encounter great obstacles, hardships, and problems. You know, friends, it's often God's way with those whom God has called to obey. You know, you look at the apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was left half dead. He was in peril of robbers and perils in the sea and perils of his own countrymen. But he still persevered. He still believed God and he still pressed on. 
You know, friends, in such cases, we must go forward and trust God that he's still working on our behalf to accomplish his purpose. Not, not our purpose, but his purpose. Isaac trusted and obeyed God, and he believed God, even in the midst of a famine. And then look what it says in verses 12 and 13 of Genesis 26. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Friends, I'm not preaching prosperity here tonight. But here we have a token of God's goodwill to Isaac. A token. A token of God's goodwill to Isaac. He blessed him and he made all that he had to thrive under his hands. God blessed him with a great increase. He reaped a hundredfold. And, and friends, notice the time when Isaac reaped. Notice the time when Isaac reaped. It was a time when there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. You know, Isaac could have just threw the head up and said, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here in this famine. I'm, I'm getting out of this place. And you know, that's probably what was in his head. For you see, in Genesis 26 and 2, it says that the Lord appeared unto him, Isaac, and said, Go not down into Egypt, but dwell in the land that I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. So the thought, friends, the thought of getting out of this land and going to Egypt must have been in his head. But thank God he obeyed God's voice. Thank God that he was obedient to his word. He stayed the course. He stayed the course and he reaped a blessing. He reaped a blessing. While earth, others scarcely reaped at all, Isaac reaped plentifully. He reaped an abundance. Isaiah 65 and 13 says, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants eat, but ye shall be hungry. And he's speaking about the wicked here. My servants eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Psalm 37 and 19 says, They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Friends, hear me. There's a blessing. There's a blessing when we obey the voice of God. There's a blessing when we walk in obedience to his word. Even in the midst of famine, our souls, our souls shall be satisfied. Isaac was in the middle of a famine, but his soul was satisfied. His soul was satisfied. He waxed great and he went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines, it says, they envied him. They envied him. They envied him so much that they told him to get out of the land. Get out of the land. For thou art mightier than we. You know, friends, when the Lord starts to bless, when the Lord starts to bless, then the wicked start to get jealous. Have you noticed that? 
the wicked start to get jealous. And they'll do everything in their power to bring contention and unease. The Philistines were jealous and demanded that Isaac go. Go get out of this land. You're too big for us. You've increased too much. Get out of the land. They demanded that Isaac go. And Isaac, the man of God that he was, he never put up a fight. He never put up an argument. He just humbled himself and he gathered up all that he had and he left. He left and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gera and dwelt there. Isaac had sown in that land. He had put a lot of hard work, a lot of effort to build up his flock, to build up his herds of cattle and, and all the great store that he he. he he put a lot, of Lord, lot of hard work into it. But when they told him to go, he left. He left without murmuring a word. You know, many a man would have dug their heels in. They'd have dug their heels in and said, I'm not moving here. I'm not moving from here. You're not putting me out. I've put blood, sweat and tears into this land. I've sown much in this land. Why should I go? But friends, what a lesson. What a lesson we learn here from Isaac. Genesis 26 and 17 says, And Isaac departed thence. And Isaac Departed thence. We don't read of any arguments. We don't read of any fights. We don't read of Isaac gathering up a great army and going to fight with King Abimelech. No. But he very simply and very peaceably he departs. He departs. Some may say, well, Isaac was a bigger fool. But friends, not in God's eyes. Not in God's eyes. For if you read the life of Isaac, you'll find that he was a very, very blessed man of God. In his humility, God richly blessed him. What a lesson to learn. What a lesson for us to learn. Proverbs 16 and 19 says, Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 29 and 23 said, A man's pride will bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 23 and 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be Exalted. James 4 and 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He, He shall lift you up. And finally, 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. You know, Matthew Henry, commentating on this chapter, Genesis 26, and especially on, on this portion where Isaac leaving this land. He says this. 
He said we should deny ourselves both in rights and in our conveniences rather than quarrel. A wise and a good man will rather retire into obscurity like Isaac here, like Isaac here into a valley than to sit high and to be the butt of envy and ill will. You know, friends, we talk about wanting to go deeper with God. These are the deep things with God. These are the deep things with God. You can't get any deeper than this. Isaac humbled himself. He gave up the good land and he departed without saying a word. But he didn't go somewhere and sit in a corner with his head in his hands and say, woe is me, woe is me. No. But he went and he started to dig again the wells of water. You hear me tonight? He went and he started to dig again the wells of water. And oh friends, that we would start to dig again the wells of water. For I believe some of our wells are blocked up. I believe some of our wells are blocked up. Genesis 26 and 18 says, And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called them their names after the names by which his father had called them. He dug again. Friends, he dug again the old wells. He dug again the old wells and he called them by their old names. And friends, how the church needs to go back to the old ways. Amen. How the church needs to get back to the old ways and to the old paths. Get back to what the church should really be about. You know, Jeremiah said in 6 and 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your soul. Friends, surely you would agree with me tonight that the church, and I'm talking about the church in the broader sense, that the church, for the most part, has lost its way. It's lost its way. It seems as if the church has been consumed by modernism, by wanting to keep up with the times, by wanting to be the new hip thing in this world. And friends, I'm not knocking all the, the gadgets, the microphones, the overheads, the computers. They're a help. They're a help. But friends, in wanting to be relevant in this modern day society, the church, not all, not all, but most of the church, especially in this Western world, has strayed from the old paths 
and the old ways. They've strayed from the Spirit's power. They've strayed from righteousness and holiness. And in so doing, the church has now become irrelevant. Irrelevant in this pleasure-seeking world. Friends, surely the church needs to get back to the old ways. Surely the church needs to get back to the old paths and the good way and the walk they're in. And you know, friends, see when we get back, when the church gets back to the old ways and to the good way and to the old paths, we will not only find rest for our souls, but we'll find the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to make a difference in this world. But maybe you'll ask me, Stephen, what is the old ways? What is that good way? Well, friends, it's getting back to the book. It's getting back to the book. It's getting back to the Word of God. It's believing and obeying its Word. It's, it's hungering and thirsting after, after Him. It's desiring the fullness of the Spirit, not only when we meet together, but, friends, every day, every day, in our lives. Friends, it's pleasing Him in everything that we say, everything that we do, and everything that we think. When we do that, then we're walking in the old ways. We're walking in the old paths. Isaac dug again the old wells of his father Abraham. And he called their names by the names which his father had called them. The old wells had been stopped up. They had been filled in. The enemies of God had came and filled them in. But Isaac starts to open them up. He started to open the old wells up. And he named these wells. The first one he called Isaac, which means strife. The second one was called Sitna, which means hatred or opposition. And the third one was called Rehoboth, which means room. It means room. Isaac needed life-giving water to survive in the land. But the Philistines had stopped the flow of water from the wells by filling them in. To get that vitally needed water supply, Isaac had to redig the wells and overcome what the Philistines had done. You know, friends, it's hard work. It's hard work to redig wells. Some wells, they tell me, come by 50 to 100 foot, maybe deeper again. But they say, the deeper you dig, the deeper you dig your well, then the better the water quality will be. If you dig a shallow well, then your well or water supply is going to be affected and influenced by your activities and by your neighbor's activities. It'll be affected by the pollutants of this world. But if you dig a deep well, I mean, friends, if you dig a deep well, then your water will be influenced by the soil and the rock and the geology that the water flows through. All the pure natural elements of earth giving you a purer and a cleaner source 
So surely you'd want your well to be deep. Surely if you were going to dig a well, you would want your well to be deep. So as to be free from all the pollutants of this earth. You know, I've never dug a well. I've never re-dug a well. But I've dug many a shock, Bran. I've dug many a shock. I've dug many a ditch. I've dug away. I've dug out many a soak away, maybe. Some of you may not know what a soak away. But I've dug many of them, dug many of them out. So that the water can run smooth. So that the water can run free without hindrance. And I'll tell you, friends, it's hard work. It's hard work. No digger. Just a spade. Just a square mouth or a long tail. And there are all types of shovels. If maybe some of you don't know what they are. It's backbreaking work. But it's rewarding work. It's rewarding work when you see the water flowing just the way it should. Isaac started this backbreaking work. He started to redig the wells. The first well that he dug was named Isaac. Isaac, which means strife or contention. And he obviously named it that because of the strife and contention that not only he faced, but also his father Abraham faced from the Philistines while they dug this well. And friends, let me put these wells in a, in a spiritual context for us tonight before I finish. I'll not be very long. The, this first well, Isaac, is a well that must be opened up in our walk with God. It's a place where we contend with the enemy. It's a place of struggle in our lives. It's a place where every day seems to be a battle. And living for God seems to be a task. And sometimes discouragements would weigh upon us. And, and, and that devil keeps firing his fiery darts at us. But friends, this well needs to be dug out. This well needs to be dug out. For we need to let those waters of faith, of hope, of perseverance flow again in our well, in our Isaac well. You know, Revelations 12 and 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Friends, to contend with this enemy, we need to claim the blood and we need to speak the word with boldness, with boldness and confidence. And as we proclaim his word every day, not just a Sunday, not just a Wednesday evening, but every day in our lives, as we take this battle to the gate, then friends, God starts to fill this well. God starts to fill this well with his life-giving water. And then he moves us on. And then we start to dig another well. And the next well Isaac digs, was called Sitna. Sitna, which can mean hatred, opposition, or separation. And you know, Sitna is a great well that every Christian has to open up in their lives. And there are two ways of looking at this well, Sitna. And the first way is that this well, Sitna, could be filled with hatred. It could be filled with anger. It could be filled with opposition. could be filled with pride. It could be filled with jealousy. And it's blocking the flow of the love of God 
in our lives. And if that well is not unblocked very quickly, then do you know what happens, friends? The water in that well turns bitter. It turns bitter. It turns poisonous. And it'll pollute everything it comes in contact with. And eventually that well will dry up and you'll die spiritually. You'll die spiritually. So it's imperative, friends, hear me tonight, it's imperative that you unblock this well very, very quickly. The junk needs to go. The rubbish needs to go. The old man, the old nature needs to be dug out so that the well of love, the well of forgiveness, the well of kindness, the well of humility, the well of meekness, the well of gentleness can flow in it once again. And the second thought on this well sitting there is called enmity between us as believers and that world out there. You know, friends, if you don't know it, but the world hates us. The world hates us as believers. It hates anyone who stands up for truth and righteousness and holiness. And that devil and that world out there will do everything in their power to try to pull a man or a woman of God down. To try and turn them from the good way to the bad way. So what do we do? What do we do? We dig a well of separation. We dig a well of separation. It's a hard well to dig. It's stepping out with God, away from our comfort zone. It's moving to another level. Things get left behind. There are struggles here, just like at Isaac. But at this well, Sitna, we tell the devil that we declare war on him. He may have filled up other wells, but he'll never fill them up again. He'll never fill them up again. This well, this well, Sitna, is going to flow. And finally, friends, the last well I want to look at tonight is Rehoboth. It's called Rehoboth. And it's the well of room. The well of room. The Lord has made room for us. And this is a great well to be at. For the Lord has enlarged us. He will cause us to be fruitful here at this well. This well is a well of maturity. It's a well for those who have made it through many struggles. And now God has made room for them. You know, friends, if we make room for God, God will make room for us. Rehoboth is the place where you get up on a, from a, on, for another day of struggle, only to find that you have grown to the place of victory instead of defeat. Instead of the enemy moving in on you, you move in on the enemy. God has enlarged you. Everything or everywhere you go becomes holy ground. And you know, friends, we can't go to this well, this, this well, Rehoboth, without going to Isaac and without going to Sitna. Many people never reach this place because they give up 
or just burn out in the struggles of opening wells. But friends, tonight, we've got to dig. We've got to dig deep. We've got to dig. We've got to dig. And we've got to keep believing. For in due time, God will enlarge us. He will widen our borders. In due time, God will open up our wells. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, Therefore, with joy, therefore with joy, shall ye draw water out of the well of salvation. Isn't that lovely tonight? Therefore, with joy, shall ye draw water out of the well of salvation. Tonight, friends, as we come to prayer, let us dig. Let us dig and let us draw water out of the wells of salvation. Is your well blocked up tonight? Is it blocked up tonight? Have you allowed the stuff? You know the stuff, don't you? Have you allowed the rubbish to come in? And to block the well. Friends, tonight, could we maybe unblock a few wells tonight? And could we drink from the wells of salvation tonight? Could we call upon him tonight for a short time? Lord, help us. Lord, hear us. Lord, open up a well. Open up a well within us, Lord.